1: Yes, I remembered this week. It's on a Tuesday. We do things on a Tuesday now. So yes, I'm Gareth from What Culture Wrestling, and here are the ups and downs for AEW Dynamite. Ah oh, for f- Scrap that bit. No, yeah, that's not what this is. This is NXT. We talk about NXT things. And we've got a big old show that we gotta get talking about because we got six man main events. We got big old women's division clashes. And we've got Adam Cole sitting in, well, beside his pool with sunglasses on, looking like a bit of a douche. So, without further me being anything but a professional, I am Gareth from What Culture Wrestling, and, correction, these are the ups and downs for the best show in the mid-week wars that aren't a thing, but should be a thing, their imaginary con to Triple H, Thing NXT! Very quickly I just want to know, I think they may have changed the signature again coming into NXT because it felt like a different theme tune, it was a poppy one last week, this felt different, not sure what's going on. But to kick things off this week we did have Dakota Kai taking on Mercedes Martinez in a match which seemed designed to ensure that Dakota Kai was out of the equation when it came to Raquel Gonzalez. But without all that stuff, the match itself, all the good stuff within it, that gets an up. Because straight away, I just love when we kick things off with a match. It feels distinctly different to Raw and SmackDown, when we normally just get somebody walking down to the ring being like, Hello, here's what I'm doing. I've got a belt. Now, straight away, we had two people here trying to kick the ever-loving crap out of each other, but I got very worried very early on because there was a nasty bot. She probably saw it. It was like Mercedes Martinez caught Dakota Kai and like brought her down and it was looking like she was trying to flip her over. She didn't. She landed on her arm. It looked just jarring. It made me do the same thing she did. I just went... Ugh, ah. But you could tell the Mercedes Martinez did not come here to play around. She started throwing out a cliffhanger. She did like double underhook suplexes. She did like three in a row. She was just continuing. She did like a deadlift one at the end. She just got me hyped up. I thought this woman, this woman right here, I think she could do some serious damage to Raquel Gonzalez. But before we could get really carried away with this back and forth encounter... It happened! I want it! Because, oh yes, we did see a chicken sandwich that was so good, it looked like somebody's Grandma Lucille prayed over it, sent it up to God and he swiped right, apparently. Yes, this chicken sandwich from Popeyes looks that good. Well, if God likes it and he's swiping right on it, well, I gotta want it, I gotta have it! I want it! Are you getting annoyed at those segments? Yeah, well, I'm getting annoyed at stupid picture-in-picture nonsense. But before long, this was all leading to the very obvious. Gonzalez, Mercedes Martinez stare down on the outside. And that is what we got next. And they started looking at each other. Gonzalez went for a swing. She swung at her. Then Martinez ducked underneath, whacked her, got back into the ring, kneed Dakota Kai in the face and you were like, oh my goodness, she's going to do it. But no, she did not do it. She got a boot to her face from Gonzalez very quickly after punching her in the face and this of course led to the entire thing being thrown out as a DQ, but I need to stress something because obviously usually DQ finishes just, they just annoy us and deflate all the energy out of our bodies. But on this occasion, I think it worked an absolute treat because it made Gonzalez look like a force to be reckoned with. She wants to be the most dominant woman. In any situation, so if you catch with a cheap shot, she's going to beat the ever-loving piss out of you. And also, it's worth noting that Dakota Kai did not come away with the victory. She didn't get the job done. So we got loads of little seeds that we planted. And then later on in the night, it was confirmed that in two weeks' time, Mercedes Martinez, Raquel Gonzalez, 101 for the NXT Women's Championship. That's going to be good. This was good. And like I said, it's all getting up. And then my hopes were lifted, because we had a backstage segment involving Shotzi Blackheart and Ebber Moon talking about their upcoming matches, because they had a match against Robert Stonebrand tonight, and then next week they were going to be defending their NXT Tag Team Championships against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell of the Way. So I was like, yes, we're finally going to focus on these belts, on this division, give them loads of matches. And then, oh, things started taking a turn again, because Dexter Lumis apparently sent these two lovely ladies some flowers, and it all just got a bit weird, because they were like, I don't want the flowers. I will not want the flowers either. You can kind of see where all this nonsense is going to go. And I'm going to group all this stuff together now because I thought it was really fun and really, really enjoyable, but it did, like, extend across the night. And it was Cameron Grimes going watch shopping. Now, obviously, the week before, he'd had an NFT outbidded by Ted DiBiase, of all people. So you was trying to prove a point. He was like, I'm going to get a nice, glamorous watch. He walked in there, and he started, like, cutting a promo on the guy selling him the watch. He just shouted at him in the middle of this jewelry shop, and the guy was like, do you just want the watch? I'm I'm, I'm very intimidated right now. He also had a great line when he was like, oh, I've got all the time in the world. You just say you take your time, but come on, I've not got it all day. And then we did cut back later on in the night to this entire thing going down and he, he seemed, Cameron Grimes seemed like he'd, he'd found the perfect watch, but he was having a bit of an issue with it because it wasn't ticking. He thought Carrie Cross would not like that either. And then just when it looked like Cameron Grimes had found the perfect watch later in the night, none other than the man himself, the million dollar man Ted DiBiase popped up and said, ah, it's a nice watch but it's not a million dollar watch and then he just started laughing at Cameron Grimes and he was like, oh, you t- t- Ted DiBiase and Ted DiBiase walked out, it was all just a bit weird but that, that, that's what this is, that's what the Ted DiBiase stuff was back then, that's what it should be now, if we're going to take inspiration from him just modernise the weirdness it was fun, it made me chuckle, it's getting up The grizzled young veterans were then stood in the middle of the ring in very sharply dressed suits and they were talking about the fact that MSK are doing whatever they can right now to duck a match with the real leaders of the NXT tag team division. They're going to have a six-man tag team main event tonight. They were taking on Dane and Maverick a couple of weeks ago. They just don't want to face my boys. And I'd be lying if I said I did not pop my head off when Zach Gibson referred to MSK as Nobbit. But just before they could talk about the fact they were seen to be recognised as the real legitimate NXT tag team champions, Tommaso Ciampa and my buddy Toothless Timmy made their presence known. Because they walked to the ring and Champo was saying, no, we've got a lot in common us too, because obviously, we're also grizzled veterans. Didn't really stress the young part, obviously. And he said also, we are leaders. We're, We're both leaders, myself and Toothless Timmy. And then Timmy proceeded to talk about the research he'd done on the grizzled young veterans, and noted one specific moment that obviously made him chuckle. Because Timothy Thatcher noted a moment at NXT TakeOver Cardiff, where the entire audience started shouting shoes off if you hate Gibson, if you remember it, it was iconic, you could say. It was a bit of a moment. So he started singing that to Zach Gibson, and then you saw Tommaso Chumper take his boot off, and you could see where this was going. Inevitably, Tommaso Chumper then threw said boot into Zach Gibson's face, and the Grizzled Young Veterans were chased out of the ring by Chumper and Thatcher. So this is looking like it's paving the way for a nice number one contenders match between these four dudes. And we saw what happened when they had the last match in the Dusty Cup. It was really fun. It was really brutal. I like fun and brutal. But again, that sounds weird. But overall, the exchange, the singing, the booting, it all gets in up. It was revealed that Drake, Maverick, and Killian Dane are going to have a tag team match later on in the night against Imperium. And Drake Maverick, understandably, in like a little backstage interview, was not feeling over the moon about this because he's had a lot of drama with Imperium recently. And he was like, oh, how convenient that we've got a match against the people who've just been causing all this chaos between us, me and you, Dane. Dane was like, yes, that's that's what you do when you go and ask for a match. That's, that's a thing. And then finally, somebody admitted that they actually watched the product because Maverick was like, I've seen how this plays out. We go to the ring, you turn your back on me, you abandon me, you beat me up, something bad is going to happen to me and I thought, you know what, this man has got his head screwed on. And wouldn't you know it, Xia Lee's back, sort of, not really. It was like Xia Lee's face and Boa and then Tian Sha popped up like out of the darkness. They were all just like staring down the camera and saying menacing things. And then the words Tian Sha popped up on the screen. So I'm really confused. Is Tian Sha the weird painted scary lady or is that the name of the faction? It's just it's not clear to me or am I just an idiot? Really cool Isaiah Swerve Scott backstage interview studio thing that he always does next. And I love this stuff because it just feels cool and distinct. He spoke about the fact that he was proudly on rough finally proved that he has that little fire within him, though he can take things up a notch and get a bit nasty when he needs to, but he said we can't now have our next match in the ring, we've proved that we can't do that anymore, we need to go false count anywhere, so that's going to happen next week, it's going to be brutal, and who'd have thunk it, natural progression in a feud leading to a big stipulation match, it's the future. Your girl Tony Storm was out next, and I can't believe I'm going to do this. The match is getting it down, I'm sorry. Because yes, for the most part, Tony Storm looked like an absolute beast in this match. He beat the absolute hell out of Zayda Ramir. She was throwing her all over the place. There was a German suplex she did at one point here and I thought, this woman is going to go flying out the CWC into an LED screen and into somebody's home. But of course, Tony Storm and Zoe Stark right now are feuding. They've got a little back and forth thing. So it wasn't long before Zoe Stark came down to the ring. She was like, oh, you got a problem with me? She was like, yeah, I got a problem with you because everybody gets distracted. And then as Tony Storm went up to the top rope to get Zayda Ramirez off there and was like, ah, I'm going to get you down. She kicked her, she booted her from said top rope and hit a shooting star press, which I must admit was very impressive. But then she won. The rookie beat Tony Storm, former NXT UK champion, May Young Classic winner. She just beat her with one rather impressive but still one move. I don't get this. But what did Tony Storm do? She pissed somebody off backstage. She's not won a match on NXT since December 16th, 2020. Stat. Not great, yeah, if she gets the win over Zoe Stark eventually, this will all semi be forgiven, but it's just been a bit spluttering, stop-starty. I don't feel like they have a current vision or direction which is trying to, like, accurately shove her down right now with Tony Storm. It's just like, oh, here we go, shock value, whoa, rookie. But well, we're going to move on from that because I'm going to get very depressed if we have to keep talking about it, but Legado were backstage after this and they said, oh, we can't wait to have our match against MSK and Kushida tonight because we're going to absolutely murder them. Badass Bronson Reed was set to take on Austin Theory next, but before we could get there, he like crossed paths with Johnny Gargano and Candice the Ray backstage. You were like staring at him ominously. And then Austin Theory just popped out behind the curtain. He was like, hey guys, why are you, why are you stood in the dark? It's a bit weird. And this <laughs> just stupidly made me laugh. I'm, I'm an absolute buffoon. I don't care. But we're going to change things up this week. We're going to bring up my Theorometer. Yeah, that's a thing. It's gonna get 75 percent on the furometer. I've thought this through really well, as you can tell. And then oddly, just in the middle of this, LA Knights had a backstage interview and he was like, "Oh Andy Hartwell, if you you want to have a, a really fun LA night, come and come and knock around with me. I, it, it didn't make sense. it was just it was it was there. You want to choose to do this here, really? Also, the disrespect towards ever right now, it needs to stop, damn it. Now, I could just sit here and talk about all the good stuff that actually went down in this match. It was surprisingly entertaining as an in-ring contest, but I'm going to skip ahead to the end because, for a change, the shenanigans did not derail the whole thing. I know, what a life, so it's getting up. Because just as it was looking like Austin Theory was going to find a way to overcome Bronson Reed and thus deny him the opportunity of taking on Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship further down the line, Dexter! Dexter Loomis arrived and he looked rather solemn and upset. He like stormed down to the ring. He tried to speak to Indy Hartwell, who'd been very upset because obviously she felt that Dexter Loomis had given these flowers to Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon earlier in the night. And he was like, uh, oh, trying to say things with his eyes. He wasn't speaking. She was like, you're saying too much. I was very confused. But then he took a bullet because Austin Theory was thrown towards the ropes and instead of hitting Indy Hartwell, he shoved her out the way. He fell to the ground. It was all very melodramatic. But thankfully, None of this got in the way of the actual match and finish that we all wanted to see, because Bronson Reed then fired Johnny Gargano off the side of the apron, he went flying, and then he hit Austin Theory with the tsunami, so... He got the win, obviously, and then he's now going to be taking on Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship at some point in the future. We got the end result that we wanted, and we didn't spend too long lingering on the Dexter Loomis indie Hartwell stuff, but it is not gone by a long shot. MSK and Kushida were backstage having a little interview about their six-man main event thing that's going to be happening tonight, and they're now pretty much going by the name of MS Kushida, so print the shirts, dammit! Quick the way segment backstage after this, and well, it appears that even though Austin Theory said that he did have Bronson Reed's number, he apparently had the wrong number. And then quite blatantly, Johnny Gargano and Candice Ray were like manipulating Indy Hartwell and being like, oh, the real reason this all happened, this disaster happened, was Ember Moon's Shotzi Blackout, so you should go and go and beat them up, Indy, and she stormed off and. You can see where it's going. Very quick up because next week Finn Balor is officially going to be returning to NXT. So he goes to the show. He's not apparently going back to the main roster anytime soon. Which is, it's good news for Finn. Oh, it's good news for Finn. Killian Dane, and Drake Maverick would finally get their hands on Imperium next. And I was pleasantly surprised by all of this, so it's obviously going to get an up. Because straight away, I love the fact that Drake Maverick just didn't trust anyone. He was, like, fighting his own shadow in the middle of the ring. He was like, I don't, I've got a friend, I've got evil people, who can I trust? And it appeared both men were trying to, like, prove that the other could trust them by just, like, being a one-man army, by taking the responsibility of the entire match on themselves and going, I'll show you how much you mean to me. I'm going to fight these men off on my own. It's a, It's not a wise day tactic, but it was very admirable. But the real standout moment in this entire thing was when Killian Dane got thrown to the outside and Marcel Bartel ordered Alexander Wolf to get a chair and smack him on the back or the head or just something hit him with a chair. But Alexander Wolf refused to do it, he just couldn't bring himself to smack his old pal on the back of the head, neck, face or anywhere in his body with said chair. So obviously this created a bit of dissension within the ranks in Imperium, but it did not stop them getting the win because they hit like a Eurobomb on Drake Maverick and came away with the victory. That was the big thing but at the end of this match they went down to the ramp they stood there they were doing the weird little saluty stand position pose thing they do and they were trying to like jockey for position like Wolf was going forward they were going backwards it was all very hokey cokey movie roundy why do I always do stupid damn moves on this thing? Pete Dunne wants some opportunities. He had a little down the camera backstage interview thing, and he was talking about the fact he could beat Walter. He could get the plane and go and batter him for the UK title. He could beat up Kashida. He's done that at a takeover. He could beat up Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. He could even beat up Karrion Cross. This man could beat up King Kong. Oh, the moment you were waiting for came after this because we did get the Robert Stone brand taking on Shotzi Blackheart and then Moon in an absolute epic. It was match of the year. It was match of the decade. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Gotta hate this show at times. Because just when it was looking like this division was going to get the focus, the attention, the ring time it needs. Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae jumped Blackheart and Moon before the match because they were going to get presented with some cupcakes and more flowers that apparently have come from Dexter Lumis. This obviously pissed off Indy Hartwell. She smacked Shotzi Blackheart in the head with a vase. I was like, oh my god, that is graphic. And then Ember Moon got force-fed some cupcakes. This this isn't it. This is not it right now. This division needs a feud that feels Big! Important! Feels like it's for the belts. Make those belts feel prestigious. What it doesn't need is a girl being manipulated to thinking the guy that she has a crush on fancies somebody else. That's just... We're past this. So if you've not guessed by now, it's all getting it down. Straight away, this segment, which is obviously gonna get an up, started with Adam Cole being an absolute douche, being on the phone, who's like, oh, these people are waiting on me, and the interview was just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, am, mate. Cole then spoke about the fact he thinks Kylo Riley got lucky at TakeOver, he thinks the Undisputed Era turned on him, which is baffling, and he said he does not think Karrion Cross has had a great run yet, which to be fair, he's only had the title for what, like a couple of weeks? Give the man a chance. But I've got to say my biggest takeaway coming out of this interview is the fact that it isn't exactly 100% clear what we do with Adam Cole from here, which is probably a good thing. His, his roads are open, he could go after Cross. he could realistically be thrown into that title scene, or he could just resume hostilities with Kylo. O'Reilly and judging from the fact he was staring at this like interview going down on a TV in real time, it does look like he has a bit of unfinished business there, Cool Kyle who was not wearing his fedora and sunglasses I was very upset. It was now time for the main event of the evening. MSK and Kushida taking on the Gaudo del fantasma and it's getting up, but it's not just getting up; it's getting yellow hat Gen that! Then that of the week! Really quickly, Kushida's brought his boots back. Like he lost them, he was wearing bare feet, and now he's got his boots back. Just make your mind up, bro. What's going on? And MSK and Kashida started hot. They came in like absolute balls of fire. They were kicking. There was a kicking exchange sequence thing where everybody got a kick in. It was like a can-can show. It was like... Dan, 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 dan. They were just faces just pinging off people. It was kick crazy. But then, of course, this is Legado Del Phantasma we were talking about. So they did manage to isolate one of the competitors on the Babyface team. They got Dash Carter, who just seems to get bullied in every single match. There's always a, a little segment when Ash Carter just gets eviscerated. And that's what happened here. so. So, Kushida got the big hot tag, and then MSK did their assisted moonsault thing. There was like an assisted tope, double tope. It was just electric stuff. But not for long because Kushida then got powerbombed through a table by Santos Escobar, and then the team got broken up because Nash Carter got fired and fed into some steel steps, and Wesley got pulverized for a rather uncomfortable amount of time. But you thought, no, it's fine, the Valiant Babyfaces will find a way back into this match, and it looked like they were going to do that for a spell. But no, Legado had very, very violent other ideas. Because Escobar nailed Kashida with a Phantom Driver, and then Nash Carter was like hit with that Russian leg-sweet double-team thing that, that Legado just do, and they're very good at doing it, and the match was done. They won. Legado Del Fantasma beat the Babyfaces emphatically, And they look like absolute badasses. On a night when it just seemed like NXT was shying away from these really decisive victories, these moments, I was really happy to see this because it just made Legado look like absolute wrecking machines, which you need that. We need need a heel force that we're scared of, we fear, and I think you've got to say now, it puts Legado in that hunt for the NXT Tag Team Championships, it puts Santos back in the hunt for the Cruiserweight Championship, it was all good stuff. Everybody came out of this looking... You can say better. I don't know what you're going to say. Oh, the MSK lost. How do they look better? Well, if any team does an assisted moonsault midway through a match, they look better. They're still good. So overall, I've got to give this week's NXT an up because I feel like that main event match in itself was lovely. There were a few little speed bumps like we got to sort out this NXT Women's Tag Team Division. Justify having the belts or they're just props. But all in all, I was satisfied. I like seeing the guy go whoop all the ass. So for me, it's good stuff.